We're glad you've chosen to worship with us this Sunday morning at Mission Vineyard. Today is Palm Sunday, so today is a little bit of a different of a service. We're going to be uh, celebrating and worshiping with palms this Sunday. Um, so we'll invite you to do that as we, uh, as we progress through worship today. Our mission here at Mission Vineyard is to welcome Jesus into all of life, and so we're going to do that today through worship. So if you would, please stand with me, and we're going to pray and, and enter a time of worship this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to be present here with us. We welcome you into our hearts this morning. We welcome you into this space. Would you just begin to move in power this morning? We love you, Lord, and we want to experience you. We want to, we want to feel your nearness this morning. So would you come and fill this place? Holy Spirit, come. Let's worship.
if you would like a palm branch, Robin is back there with palm branches and instruments. If you want to dance uh, with us in our next song, Hosanna, uh, feel free to make your way on over there and grab a palm branch as we sing Hosanna. Anywhere you want. You can follow Jan and dance around the room. Thank you, kids, for hanging out and, and dancing with us as we worship. Uh, who are the students supposed to follow? Miss Robin? Oh, 
Okay, students, if you'd follow Miss Robin upstairs, and we'll continue with worship down here.
want to welcome you to our time of communion. And I'm going to give a little instruction first, and then I will share what the Lord put on my heart about communion. So we have two tables. We have matzah that's been broken up that you can dip in the juice, and the people will serve you there. And we also have a little individual cups for anybody who's concerned about hygiene which we would certainly understand, so feel free to take those. But if you would come on, the, on these aisles and go around back that way, it would just help us. So on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, and he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. All of you take and eat it. And after supper, in the same way, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. All of you take and drink it. And now, as Jesus' followers, we get to do this when we come together. And he's present with us in a unique way when we take communion, when we take that cup, when we eat that bread. The bread being broken, representing his broken body, gives us an opportunity to be healed. His blood being shed for our sins gives us an opportunity to be forgiven. And the whole thing is called communion. It's an opportunity to be reconciled with one another. If anyone has something to forgive or, be, or ask forgiveness for, purpose in your heart to do it. And if you're new to the faith, just come and take with us. We don't care what denominational background you have. So, Lord Jesus, we, we bless now these elements, Lord, the bread and the juice. And we pray, Lord, as we come, that you would fill our hearts with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus, we just thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that we have this opportunity every Sunday to remember you and the sacrifice you made for us. 
Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and if we can, I'd like to pray the prayer he taught his disciples. It should be up on the screen in a minute, maybe. Um, it's coming, I promise. So, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as ye forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Kate, would you come up and give us some announcements? Good morning, everyone. My name is Kate, and it's an honor to welcome you here to our service this morning at Mission Vineyard. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we just want to extend a warm welcome. Um, if you're new to us today and you're here with us at the Duseum, we hope that you've received a welcome bag. On the, they're located on the back table. Um, if you haven't, please grab one on your way out. There's some information in there about our church. Um, there's also a Ziploc bag in there with some practical items. We call that a manna bag. We hope that you would give that out to someone that you may encounter throughout the week who's in need. Um, that's just a gift for you to be able to bless someone that you might encounter. And then there's also a connect card that we would ask that you would fill out. We would love to get to know you a little bit more, your name, your email address, if you're comfortable sharing that. We can add you to our weekly church email. Um, this is a little picture of what it looks like. And um, if you're online, you can also fill that out at our website at connect.missionvineyard.org. There's also a place on the back to share a prayer request that a team would love to pray over you for if you have something that you'd like to add. Um, this week, as we enter into Holy Week and celebrate Palm Sunday today, we'll be together again next Friday for our Good Friday service. That will be at 7 o'clock at the Fiesta Building, um, which is the old Fiesta Building on Broadway, just catty corner here. You can find information on our website or Facebook page, but that'll be at 7 o'clock on Friday. There is child care provided, um, and it will be a wonderful service. We would love to see you there. And then we'll be back here at the Duseum for Easter Sunday at 10 o'clock. And we'll have outdoor seating available on this side of the building. We'll have this area opened up. We're also streaming it online um, for those who would like to join us then. But we will see you back here Sunday at 10. And they're looking forward to that. There'll be some great kids activities as well upstairs. Um, and then uh, the Sunday after Easter, if you are interested in learning more about baptisms, we will be baptizing the next Sunday um, after Easter. And so I'd encourage you to um, check out some information at the back table. You can also email um, Mission Vineyard, either Arlita or John, or just our general info line if you're interested in um, baptisms. We would love to get you connected in that way. And so with that, um, I am going to pray over our giving. We have tithe baskets at the back table if you are giving in person. If you're giving online at give.missionvineyard.org, um, we just want to bless those resources. And so, um, Jesus, I thank you for your presence here today, Lord. Thank you that your spirit is with us. Lord Jesus, I pray blessing over um, each person in this room, and as we worship you um, through giving, I pray that every cent and dollar that's given to this church is used for your kingdom glory, Lord. Thank you for the way that you blessed us, and thank you for the words that you have through Taylor this morning. I bless her, and we thank you for joining us in Jesus' name. Amen. I get the privilege and honor to welcome up Taylor. I want to say Kirby, but it's not Kirby anymore. <laughs> Taylor Litt, she used to be our worship leader when we started Mission Vineyard, gosh, I don't know. It's been a while. Six or seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our senior pastor is actually up in Dallas. He officiated Bruce and Katie's wedding yesterday. So we have a new married couple, which is fantastic. Um, but we get to have Taylor with us, and she's going to continue our series on resilience and worship. Cool. Thank you so much. It's just really good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I, like, have never used an iPad, so we'll see <laughs> how this goes. <laughs> 
Um, I'll use my husband as technical help as needed. Um, maybe I might need you. Will you pull this up for me? But I'll get started without it. Um, so um, it's just, yeah, it's such a joy to get to be with you this morning. Um, an honor, really. I think that uh, when John called me and asked me while I was in town, I, I, had a, I got to celebrate a wedding yesterday for a friend. While I was in town, if I wouldn't mind maybe coming <laughs> to speak with you this morning about worship, um, I got excited. Um, and I think that one of the main reasons why well, there's a lot of reasons why it's a joy to share with you this morning. Um, I think Mission Vineyard um, is actually a place that taught me so much about what it looks like to worship Jesus with my whole life. Um, I was actually, I was reflecting back, I was only really connected to this community for about two and a half years. Um, but still, I have such a deep uh, sense of home whenever I get to be here, even though I don't know many of you. Um, and I think it's because of how formative being a part of this community was in my life. And so um, as I get started this morning, I would like to just uh, pray for us, and then I'll jump into what the Lord has put on my heart. So let me pray. Um, yes, Lord, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to be here um, at Mission Vineyard. Um, Lord, I pray that your spirit would come and speak and move in the ways that you want to this morning. Um, I pray that, Jesus, you would be glorified in, in all things. And, um, yeah, Lord, I, we just give this time to you as our worship, um, to say, come and to have your way this morning. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess I should introduce myself a little bit. Uh, I just realized... Some of you might not know me, so um, my name is Taylor Litt, without ever seeing their team win. I mean, that is some resiliency when it comes to fandom. And you think about it, like hardcore Cubs fans have been spending year after year of tickets, money, time, devotion, energy into celebrating and waiting for their team to finally win. Um, they knew what it's like to be resilient and then to see like that moment when finally, like what they had been hoping for um, came to fruition. And I think that just like how the Cubs fans like chose to devote themselves to their team, um, we choose in the same way to orient our life and devotion to center Jesus and his kingdom. Or we choose to do that to other things. Like that's the core of our worship is how and where we're orienting and devoting our life. Um, and worship is about intimacy, it's about feelings, it's about experience, um, but also just like love, it's this choice, this commitment, this orientation um, towards Jesus. And I think when things are going really well in our life, worship is something that um, can feel pretty easy. Um, when God is answering our prayers in the ways that we've been asking, uh, when Jesus is who we expect him to be, when the Holy Spirit is moving in a way that we understand and are really getting to see, it's easy to choose worship because it feels like it's only to our benefit to worship Jesus. Um, yet when things aren't going so well, um, when God seems silent or when Jesus maybe disappoints us or we don't understand how God's Spirit is working or see God's Spirit working, even though it's always to our benefit to worship Jesus, to orient our life and devotion to him, um, it doesn't always seem like uh, the easiest thing to do, right? It's hard to worship in times of wilderness. And as I was reflecting on this tension of like, what does it mean for us to be resilient in worship, both in the seasons that are joyful and good, where we are seeing God at work in ways that we can understand, and then the seasons we don't. Um, I was drawn to two stories that are actually really fitting because they're a part of this Easter, Easter story as we're heading into um, today. This tension of these two different pictures of worship when things are going well, worship when things are hard or in the wilderness. And so the first picture from scripture that I wanted to share with us this morning is actually Palm Sunday, <laughs> which we got a little uh, experience of this morning. And so um, this first picture of worship is coming from Mark 11, um, 7 through 10. And leading up to this point in the gospel of Mark, uh, word has been spreading about Jesus. 
people are starting to hear about who he is and what he's done. Um, and he's been teaching with authority, which is really different from other people. Um, he's doing these amazing healings. He's casting out demons. Um, and so this small group of followers has grown into this large crowd that seems to like not be able to be contained at this point. Um, and so here we have Jesus heading into Jerusalem, and all the people are ready to receive him. And there's even word that maybe this Jesus, you know, maybe he's the one that's going to come and save our people. And so I'll read this for us. Um, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In this triumphal entry, I mean, Jesus is kind of being welcomed like a celebrity, or better yet, a king, right? The awaited Messiah. Um, we thought, you know, the Cubs fans waited a long time, 108 years. Uh, the, the Jewish people have been waiting over 400 years for another word from God. Um, and here, maybe this, is, maybe this is Jesus, right? People removed their cloaks and garments. And this was like a symbol of honor. Is actually back in 2 Kings, I think when Jehu was like announced as king, people did this for him too, like putting their cloaks kind of taking off their personal items to make way for a king. We also know that um, they're like spreading the branches, which we got to experience today with the palm branches, kind of laying them down on the road before Jesus comes. And palm branches had a symbolism of victory, right? So they're literally like laying down this kind of like victory is coming. They're making this way for Jesus to come through. And yeah, it was one of my favorite things when I was a kid in my church growing up was the palms that we get to like celebrate and like praise Jesus for his victory on Palm Sunday. People are like saying that Jesus is bringing some kind of victory and they're laying it down before him. And then the people are shouting Hosanna, which I think I always thought Hosanna was just kind of like a word of praise. Hosanna. Um, but Hosanna literally means save us. You know, it's this, this cry of praise, but it's also a cry out to Jesus to say, come and to save us. And so people are laying down honor, victory, crying out uh, for Jesus to save them. After 400 years of waiting for a word from God, could this be the person we're waiting for? The promised king to come and from their perspective, restore potentially their nation that's been oppressed for hundreds of years. This anticipatory moment of worship must have been really exhilarating, like probably more than I can imagine. <laughs> um, they've heard all that Jesus has done and taught, and especially for people that have endured oppression, dispersion, upheaval, you know, this man could finally bring the redemption they looked for. Yeah, as I was reflecting on Palm Sunday, there's something that felt a little bit almost dissatisfying <laughs> about what's happening, um, because for us, we also know what happens next in the story. Um, we know that Jesus is, not even a week later, announced as king, but it's a form of mockery, and it's an excuse for execution. And while we don't know exactly like where everybody that's into, you know, like in this kind of crowd welcoming Jerusalem, we don't really know exactly who they are and where they're at a week later. Um, but I think there's some assumptions we can make. I think at best, maybe they're afraid, confused, silent, mourning, apathetic. I mean, at worst, maybe some of the same people that were shouting Jesus is, or Hosanna were the same people that were shouting crucify him. We don't know. Um, but it does feel a little bit challenging, this picture of victorious worship and what happens next and where the people were when Jesus was at the cross. This Palm Sunday, this triumphal entry like moment is a picture of worship of Jesus, and it is really beautiful. I think we got to even taste that this morning with the kids like running around and all of us <laughs> kind of worshiping Jesus in victory. Um, and it's worship in a moment where the people thought it looked like victory in the kind of victory that they were wanting. 
And they thought that Jesus was the king that they were wanting. And when it turned to victory, meaning suffering, and their hopes for a king who could restore their nation dying, um, it changed a little bit, at least temporarily. And I think this is really relatable to us too, right? Like when we see God is moving, when it looks like victory, when it's going the way that we're expecting or hoping for, uh, it's easy to lay down honor and to bring the palms of victory and to declare that Jesus is the worthy king of our worship. So then I think the next kind of picture of worship that you see leading into the Easter story is one of my favorite stories. It's a couple chapters later in the same Gospel of Mark. Um, and so this is happening before Jesus' arrest. Um, and as you guys know, this is all happening kind of in light of Passover, which is a really important Jewish holiday. It's the most important. It's their Easter or Christmas. And when they're celebrating when God had, like, redeemed the people of Israel, his spirit passed over their door because of the lamb's blood that was placed on it, and he actually took his people out of slavery. So it's a really significant holiday and also a lot of fun. They bring all their family together, eat together, enjoy, um, and remember. And so the Passover feast is just two days away at this point. Um, and the teachers of the law and the chief priests, you know, they see the attention that Jesus is getting. They notice the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, and they're at this point where they're like at their end with this Jesus person. <laughs> and so they decide, you know, we're going to make a plot to actually murder <laughs> Jesus. So we're going to try to see if we can arrest him secretly and then kill him. But they want to wait until after Passover because they're a little bit afraid of like people rioting, right? So that's kind of what's happening right before we hear this story, uh, this next story uh, of beautiful picture of worship. So this is Mark 14 through through 9. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This woman's act of worship I don't even know if she really fully comprehended the full significance of what she was doing when she came to Jesus that day. But here, her worship, she greets Jesus as the Messiah that he is. Uh, Messiah literally means anointed one, right? And so even in her anointing, she's like declaring this kind of anointed one as she breaks this perfume over Jesus' head. Um, and this perfume is really expensive. I mean, 300 denarii, that's almost a year's wages. I feel like I would have been exactly where the disciples were. I feel like, that's ridiculous. We can do so much more with that money, so much more good, so much even more for the kingdom of God than, than what's happening here. Um, and alabaster jars, you sometimes actually have to, like, break off the top to use the ointment. So there wasn't just, like, let's dabble or just anoint a little bit, you know? I mean, it was an all-or-nothing kind of excessive, lavish act that this woman does in greeting Jesus. But I love what Jesus does is he really honors this specific moment of worship. The disciples see it as wastefulness, um, but Jesus sees it as beauty. I think it's really cool that Jesus points to saying, not only is he actually being anointed as the anointed one, but she is doing something that's actually preparing for his very burial, um, which was going to be coming in just a few days at this point. Jesus is being worshipped as the Messiah, as the king, um, but instead of a symbol of victory, um, it's actually worship in a moment that looks like death. It's literally preparing someone for burial. Um, and that's the Messiah that Jesus is. 
And there aren't that many stories that you find in every gospel, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but this is one of them that you can find in all four, a woman anointing Jesus and Jesus honoring her act of worship. And I think there's a lot of different reasons that Jesus, or a lot of different reasons why this story is so significant and there's scholars and theologians, I'm sure that could share many different things for us. But I think there's two things that really struck me about this moment of worship that she does. Um, this radical worship um, really mimics what Jesus is about to do for her. Right? She, in response to kind of who Jesus is, she feels like it's worth pouring out her life, <laughs> pouring out what is costly to her in kind of a lavish, um, over-the-top way. Um, but Jesus does the exact same thing for her in a, just a couple of days. Jesus gladly and generously like, pours himself out for us, for the world, for her, and it's costly and it's beautiful. So it mimics what Jesus is about to do, and it also is an example of what the worship I think Jesus wants for us, which is to bring all that we have, all of our life, all that is like valuable to us, and to bring it in response of what Jesus has done to us. And so I don't think that like the Palm Sunday, Sunday picture of worship is bad, Worship in moments of victory is really good and celebration and praise. Um, but I think that there's something so beautiful in this picture of this woman's worship that even on the outside it might look like a waste, but Jesus um, says it's worth it. And I think as a, as a reader, um, like, like I said earlier, it felt a little bit dissatisfying as we know the rest of the story. But here, it feels even more satisfying that we know the rest of the story. Because even though it's in the face of death, even though this is preparing Jesus for what he's about to experience, the suffering, and the ways that he's about to pour his life out for the sake of the world, we know the rest of the story. We know that death does not have the final say, that Jesus has victory over death, that we worship a resurrected King Jesus, and anointing Jesus for burial is a part of his essential role as our Messiah. So I wanted to share a story with you, and I want to also share that part of it will be about a friend's pregnancy loss, and I know maybe for some of you that's an experience you've had, so I just wanted to let you know um, that I, wanted, I was going to share that. Um, but I feel like these last two years, we've collectively walked through a lot, <laughs> a lot in the face of what has looked like death and suffering and pain. Um, we've waded through the global pandemic, we're still in the middle of it, and there's always uncertainties about what's going to happen next. Um, we've lost loved ones um, due to COVID, but also due to like other things in life. We've watched horror after horror unfold when it comes to the realities of injustice in our world, um, from the murders of Breonna Taylor or Maude Arbery or George Floyd, um, acts of violence against Asian American elders and women. Even most recently, we've been watching the war in Ukraine unfold before our eyes, kind of horrified at some of the images and the stories that we're hearing, even just the last few weeks. I and mean, it feels like death is all around us. But I think some of my most formative moments of worship um, have been in the face of death. Um, and I think that it's really uh, kind of key, even as we think about what it means to stay resilient <laughs> in worship and in our faith. And so back in the summer of 2020, uh, in the middle of everything, which you guys remember 2020, at that point, I don't think I was even hanging out with friends or family. I, I think that we were pretty much isolated. Um, and after this kind of heartbreaking, confusing spring, um, one of my best friends, um, she lost her son at 17 weeks in a really traumatic miscarriage. Um, and me and my friends, uh, my other friend, we had been praying for him and for her and her pregnancy. Um, and I really believed that God um, was going to um, help Abram survive. And I even remember like a, a picture that God brought me in prayer uh, that what I interpreted it as was that he was going, he was going to make it. Um, there was one night where there was a scare, and he actually made it through that night, and it was fine. Um, 
So I think when, when Abram passed away, our grief felt really thick. Um, I felt so much grief for my friend and watching her endure that kind of suffering. Um, and I felt a lot of let down by God. You know, um, I really believed. And, and I know that God doesn't always promise to heal, but I really believed in this case he actually was and didn't. And so um, one of the hardest worship leading experiences I've ever had to do um, was leading worship at the funeral. And this was one of the first kind of communal gatherings I had been, been to during COVID. And we're at this funeral for a 17-week-old child. And um, yeah, my friends and I, worship had always been a really big part of our friendship. Uh, months before, they were, worshiping at my, they were leading worship at my wedding. Um, and here we were leading worship at a funeral. Um, and I've actually had to sing worship at a lot of funerals. When you're musically inclined, people just ask you. And um, even though I have lost grandparents and sung at their funerals, um, this felt like definitely the hardest one. Um, because there wasn't a lot about what happened that made sense. And all that I feel like we were bringing before God was our sorrow. It was really hard to see the hope of the situation. Um, we saw what we were losing. And so we, as we sang songs like In Christ Alone, I sang that with the most heaviness in my heart I probably have ever sung. Even though singing it, I know, was singing the truth of the reality. Um, it also, we are bringing our, our pain. And I think there might be a picture up here. Yeah, this picture. Um, my friend, over the last two years, I've been inspired by my friend's uh, worship of Jesus. Um, because it's looked really different than it used to. Um, this was something that she painted um, after Abram had passed away. And uh, the pictures of Jesus as a suffering servant, of one who understands our pain, became really important to her worship. And so she started painting a lot as a way to, like, understand her grief. And uh, even though, like, it brought, there was more anger and grief and doubts and questions that she's ever had in her faith, I'd say, over the last two years. I also know that in bringing those things to Jesus, it's also been some of the most beautiful worship that I've ever seen um, and gotten to be a part of a little bit. And I think it has really shaped and changed the way that I see, like, what it means to worship um, Jesus. That we believe that it's worth it and that it's better, even when in the moment it doesn't always feel like it. Um, and I think worship in the face of death or pain or suffering or doubt or even just seasons of apathy and lack of feeling um, doesn't mean that we pretend and just say, well, we know that Jesus is Lord and i am just got to get over it. You know, I don't think that's the invitation for us in worship. I think it means that we bring our anger, our grief, our doubt, our confusion, our apathy to Jesus as worship. Our lament is worship. Um, and David shows us over and over again in the, the Psalms, like 40% of the Psalms are actually prayers of lament and songs of lament. Um, I love that in the story of the woman with the jar, what Jesus says is that she did what she could. Um, and I think for us, as we think about worship, a lot of it is bringing all that we have, all that we can. <laughs> sometimes that's grief and sometimes that's praise. Um, and I think one of the things that's cool about when we choose to worship Jesus in the hardest of our moments we're choosing a form of resistance that declares what's actually true about who our king is, what the kingdom of God is like, and who we are. That the world around us is not actually the final say. That death is not the final say. Um, what's true is Jesus. Um, I was actually on a prayer ministry call um, a week ago with some colleagues, one of my colleagues from New York, um, and. God had done something in this kind of Emmanuel prayer time with him using a worship song. And um, he was sharing that as a black man, it felt extra significant that um, God brought and used this kind of worship lyric. Because he was thinking about like the history of his people and how, you know, there were so many, like back, way back, like enslaved peoples could not even be allowed to read scripture. 
And so hymns and spiritual songs became like the life of the black community, that in the midst of the reality of oppression and death, like they knew the truth about Jesus and the kingdom of God and their identity, even when they were being told something completely different. And I think that's true for us in worship. We declare the resistance um, that the world is not the final say, that Jesus is our king, um, what the kingdom of God is about, and who we are, and it reminds us of that identity. And so I think our worship can be lament, our worship can be praise, but ultimately it's about who's at the center of our worship, who and what we're offering, uh, orienting our lives around. And this woman understood about Jesus that his disciples did not fully grasp, that it's in Jesus' death there's victory, and we're brought back to the truth of who we are, people that Jesus has lavishly poured his love out for. And the truth of our king is, one who bears the marks of suffering, but also has full victory. And I think in the face of our current reality, you know, we talk about this kind of we're in the here, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. We experience God in so many different ways in his movement in our world. And we're also waiting and longing for the day when we'll get to like meet Jesus <laughs> in face to face, when all things will be made new. Um, worship is essential <laughs> for us um, remembering. And so uh, I think that one of the things that I love about the Easter story is that I think this theme of what we're talking about this morning, the tensions of death and victory. I mean, it's, it's in this Easter story that we're leading up to celebrated. And so I wanted to encourage us this morning that we bring our worship to a resurrected Jesus, our only hope, um, and that he's the only one that's really worthy of orienting our entire life and devotion towards. And I love that Jesus, you know, in his resurrected body, does not choose to eliminate the scars of what has happened, of his suffering. That Jesus actually, when he's resurrected and returns to his disciples, he actually has a physical body with physical wounds, even though he's supposed to be like, you know, it's victory, he's made all things new. But he bears those scars. I think that makes it all the more easier to come before Jesus and say, wow, if you are the one who bears and understands suffering and you're the one who also brings victory, that's the Jesus that we get to worship. And so the good news is that we have that hope. <laughs> In the midst of all the kind of the trials of life, <laughs> um, that we have our resurrected Jesus to bring everything to. And so um, I just have a couple of different questions for us to think about this morning as we close. Um, who or what are you currently like orienting your life towards? Um, and how do you need to worship our resurrected King Jesus today? What thing in your life is valuable, is worth bringing before Jesus and breaking it open before him as an offering? What do you have to bring today? Maybe it's joy and gratitude. Maybe it's pain and sorrow, questions. How can that be your worship this morning as you come before our resurrected King Jesus? And so we're going to transition to a time of ministry and a time of worship as together as a community. And so um, during this time of ministry, welcome to, especially if you feel like worship has been something that's been really difficult for you recently. Um, or especially when you're in those harder moments, sometimes we need people to almost help raise our hands um, to God. And so I would encourage you to come forward and to receive prayer um, as a community, to bring whatever you have before Jesus as an offering this morning. Um, and my prayer is that you will experience the presence of our resurrected Jesus, who can hold it all together. So I'm going to have Carol come. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, even Ethan, if you could come up. Um, before the service, we have a team that prays for each of you. And if Michael, would you come up and just share the words that you guys received this morning? So 
bone spurs on the heel, someone who needs to receive the fullness of life in Jesus and open up like a flower. So a bruised ankle and shin, someone who is experiencing a lot of turmoil, but still, uh, and the word is be still and receive Jesus as a special guest in you. And uh, focus on receiving the, whole, the spirit of hospitality, something that the Lord's speaking to you. Thank you. So, like as Taylor said, if you guys have um, felt anything as she was speaking today in your heart that you just feel like you need prayer for, if you've been struggling with worship, um, I encourage you to go over and see a prayer team. And if any of these words speak to you as well, um, go over and see a prayer team and get some prayer. Um, even Ethan, will you just lead us in one more song? that you have carried. Thank you for your blood that was shed. It took the weight of sin upon your shoulders. Sacrificed your life so I
bless you guys before we go out. Um, I just want to bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That you would go out and you would worship Jesus with all of your heart. You would give him your praise. You give him your lament. And you give him your love. Bless you. Thank you guys for joining us today. And I hope to see you guys uh, good Friday at 7 o'clock at our Fiesta building just down the road. And then here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning for Easter. Thank you.